Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy hump day, everybody. Welcome to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Got a lot to get to today couple of topics to discuss with you here in the middle of your week hope your week is going well I want to thank all of you who've been tuning in this week it's been kind of a busy week with the schedule release on Monday drop an emergency schedule breakdown podcast Monday night uh, yesterday uh, recorded JC and Morgan I uh, did not have this podcast episode out yesterday but uh, back with you today uh, Gamecocks held their first practice uh, a lot going on a lot going on in college football um, around the country. Uh, looks like Ohio State is trying to kind of cook up a, a, a way to play this year. I can't say I, I blame them. Uh, the state of Ohio has high school football, and the Browns and Bengals are playing, uh, and Ohio State's not, and that's a football-crazy state. Uh, Ohio, is, um, Ohio is a football – mad state if you look at the big 10 rosters i mean there's tons of guys from ohio all over that league and ohio state's sort of their school they don't really have you know they have a, a bunch of mac teams and they have cincinnati but the ohio state's the big doll uh in that state so they're trying to get together per reports with penn state and iowa and some of these other schools that wanted to play and take the big 10 schools that wanted to play and play a round robin in other words play them twice uh, which I find interesting. I think that, uh, you know, they were talking about doing that in the ACC with pods. Um, they decided against that. But, um, you know, Ohio State, I, I think for my money, I'd rank them number one in the country if they were playing maybe ahead of even Clemson at this time. Um, but if you have to play Michigan twice, Iowa twice, Penn State twice, I mean, man, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> you have to play – you know, really good teams two times. And, and that's unprecedented in college football when you got, you know, we'll have rematches in championship games every now and again, but it's really, really difficult, uh, I think, to beat a team twice in college football. So if Ohio State does that and they go through undefeated, I think they've earned a spot in the playoff, um, just to be quite honest with you. And I think that's the idea. I mean, anytime you're about to win a national championship or you think you're going to contend, canceling the season should be an absolute last resort. Uh, especially when other teams around the country are playing. But that doesn't have anything to do uh, with the Gamecocks. Uh, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because uh, every day we get, it goes by, um, you can kind of tell ACC, SEC, Big 12 are, are getting closer and closer to playing, releasing schedules, they're practicing. You, you don't, you know, you have the folks that don't want there to be college football this year, and I include, you know, a lot of the Big Ten and Pac-12 fans who are just jealous, who, who would like to see the rest of the league shut down. You know, it's like if we can't have cake, then you can't have cake. Um, you know, our moms let us have cake. You know, we can't help it. Your mom's overprotective, uh, to use that analogy. Um, you, you can hear the jealousy voices sort of growing. You can hear the, the folks that in the media that don't think there should be a season – you know, pulling everything and anything out, you know, Notre Dame going to online classes. Oh, you got to watch this. It was funny because North Carolina went to online classes. And let me just say this about North Carolina. 
they had a big article about a, a student moving into his dorm or a, I don't know if it was an article or a feature on a website or whatever, where the parents were like, it looked like a, a an uncleaned hotel room where nobody had bothered to go in there and, and clean it up. That, that should have been a red flag because if I'm a university and I'm bringing kids back to campus, I'm sterilizing everything. Um, so I don't know that it comes as a big surprise that they incompetently handled it, but you know, they, they go on, UNC goes online and, and look, UNC, no matter what you think, I don't know. Most Gamecock fans don't really care for the Tar Heels. No matter what you think about them in the ACC, they, that's a school that matters. You know, that's an Alabama in the SEC. You know, I don't care how good they've been at football or not. University of North Carolina carries a lot of weight in the ACC. So you sit there and think, well, what if they cancel, you know, the season? What if they, what if Mac Brown and his team pull out? Will that be a domino effect and then affect the rest of the ACC? Uh, you get a statement from Tar Hill Athletics almost on the hour after everybody on Twitter went nuts about it and says, oh, no, 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 football's still playing. They're still in their area and working out, and we're playing this season. Uh, and I think from what I hear here that, you know, they're trying to preserve the college basketball season on Tobacco Road, and so you can't really cancel football and then, then still have basketball. So uh, I thought that was interesting. You know, Notre Dame, Notre Dame will be something to watch because what they're doing is pausing classes and then seeing if it gets better. You know, athletically, Notre Dame has been like the shining star example over the summer with their football program. They're transparent about it, too. They report all their cases. They've maybe had two. Uh, and most of the time they report, we tested 190, we got zero positives, that type of thing, which sort of surprised me, you know, for South Bend. Uh, and, and considering the way that they go and they have players from all over the country, students from all over the country, et cetera. Uh, but those are two things to watch. But you see those things pop up and, and you know, people try to make mountains out of molehills with it. And then it kind of goes back. I think it's more likely right now. And look, the virus can change things. I mean, you know, we may be sitting here depressed and distraught in a couple of weeks if, if cases spike in the South, if, if, the, the various football teams start having unmanageable amounts of cases. Um, we may be sitting there talking about a cancellation and, and praying that they play in the spring. But right now on August 19th at uh, 1039 a.m. Eastern time, I feel like it is more likely that Ohio State and some of these other Big Ten teams reactivate uh, and try to play a season probably starting in early October so they can get it in. Uh, than it is that the whole thing gets shut down. Um, and, and that's, you know, I've been wrong. Like I say, I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. But I feel like that's more likely, um, you know, despite what some people say. You know, I, I was on the air in Tuscaloosa earlier today. Kevin Sumlin, who used to be at Texas a was down in Arizona, was like, oh, yeah, well, they're playing now, but we'll see what happens in two weeks and all this other stuff. And, yeah, I, I understand the frustration. I mean, I, I do uh, on the part of the Pac-12 and all that. It, it, it kind of it kind of sucks that we don't have universal leadership in college football, you know, to make these calls and make things kind of even with everybody. But I will tell you this: uh, had it had it been that way, we may be looking at a postponed season for real. I mean, because it, it may not have been enough, uh, you know, for the SEC and ACC to kind of push back. Uh, and all that. But it looks like we're going to have a season, and, and so that's good. Um, I think that uh, 
like I said, every day that goes by, I get more and more positive about it. And we need some positivity for sure. All right, so let's talk about relevance. This is a interesting topic uh, when we talk about South Carolina football these days as it is now, you know, especially, you know, when South Carolina is coming off in the last decade, probably the most relevant they've ever been with, you know, the 11 win seasons going to the SEC championship game. Steve Spurrier is your coach. You have a number one overall draft pick in Jadavian Clowney. Um, you know, a lot of first rounders, Stephon Gilmore, Melvin Ingram, you know, Alshon Jeffrey goes to the league and sort of really plays well. So when you, you kind of think about it, you know, it's, it's the most relevant nationally the program's ever been. I've been listening to a lot of national podcasts and broadcasts and radio and TV and all that and uh, watch the schedule release. And it, it just amazes me now. And, I, and it, I don't guess it's amazing. I think it's probably to be expected. Amazing is probably not the right word to say, but reality hits you in the face when you listen to some of this stuff. Cause you know, it, it's not that people are down on South Carolina or up on South Carolina. Or They're just not talking about the Gamecocks. Um, there's no, not even any Will Muschamp hot seat talk. If you read a hot seat article, his name's usually up near the top, but there just really isn't a whole lot of things. So, so that could be good and bad. Number one, it could be that people just kind of skipped over the Gamecocks and saw that they were four and eight last year and thought, well, you know, they're not going to be that good this year anyway, especially with the schedule. Um, but it could be that, you know, this program's kind of there and, uh, I, you know, searching for relevance, I guess, would be, you know, one of those things. And it's, you know, when you talk about how the staff's recruited and people get mad, uh, they don't have a bunch of five stars or whatever. When you kind of think about the battles they've won, they this is one of the things they fought is that, you know, you just don't hear a lot about the Gamecocks. Um, you know, when people rattle off top programs, uh, they don't talk about the Gamecocks. And, and a few years back, it wasn't that way. You know, A.J. McCarron, who was Alabama's quarterback in 2012, you know, said was talking about how tough the schedule was. He's like, you know, yeah, you go beat Auburn or LSU, and the next thing you know, you're in the dome playing South Carolina. You know, and I thought that was a big compliment. He didn't say Georgia or Florida or Tennessee or any of those schools. He said South Carolina at the time. And at the time, the Gamecocks were sort of the big dog on the east side, even though they didn't get – to the championship game. What was really telling was I was listening to a podcast where they were breaking down everybody's schedule and they got to Florida and the Gators had a very favorable schedule before the remix. And and now they don't really, it's tough, but they were like, yeah, they're going to start off at Ole Miss, you know, Lane Kiffin's going to have some surprises for them. That's not easy. And then, Oh, and, and then they just didn't even talk about week two when the Gamecocks are coming to town. Um, they went right to week three, and I think they're playing A&M. And I, I was just amazed that they just didn't even mention South. Like, it was just completely – like, the game wasn't even going to be played. Um, and, look, in college football, this is important. I don't think it feeds into, like, oh, nobody's talking about this team this year, therefore they're not going to win games. Because I think it's quite the opposite. Sometimes the team nobody's talking about many times actually ends up being the surprise which you got to hope the Gamecocks are the surprise this year. Uh, but it does impact things like recruiting. And, and that's why four and eight and seven and six and things like that are very damaging, you know, because, you know, prospects kind of formulate l- large lit school list in their head 
and they'll kind of grab people that are, you know, schools that are relevant. And then, you know, with, with South Carolina, you know, especially with them not being able to visit, you got to kind of talk them into it. Um, and, and so how does South Carolina fix this? What's the solution? Well, there's really no other solution except winning. Um, and, and I think the Gamecocks do have a golden opportunity against Tennessee and Florida, those first two games. Tennessee and Florida are always important games. Um, remember back in the 90s, you know, Lou Holtz goes in the locker room and or in the weight room, and, you know, some guys were lounging around. Lou Holtz goes, well, Tennessee and Florida in the weight room. You know, those were the big dogs um, for years. And they rubbed the Gamecocks' noses in it for years. And Tennessee came and took players out of the state for years. Florida, not so much, um, especially under Spurrier. They didn't really recruit South Carolina. Uh, Urban Meyer, of course, got Carlos Dunlap. But, um, you know, I, you, you, those are important games every single season. They're both, you know, Florida's a preseason top ten team by most people. Um, I'm going to give Dan Mullen more credit than I have the past two seasons because I've sort of doubted them. Um, and I will say I don't think they're back to the Urban Meyer days or the Steve Spurrier days. Uh, but I will say they find a way to win. I mean, they are kind of a blue-collar, hard-to-beat type of team. Um, and Dan Mullen's a hell of a coach. So, you know, I'm going to give them credit. I'm going to say, yeah, this is a year they could, in a normal year, they could challenge Georgia. I don't – with the schedules, I don't know that they'll have that opportunity. Um, they are a good team, tough to beat. Bottom line, though, is it's not like the Gamecocks have not been competitive within the last two years and arguably, you know – could have won both games. It's got to hurt Will Muschamp's soul, and I put this on the big spur last night. It's got to kill his soul that he could be sitting here at three and one against the Gators, uh, his former team. Um, but that's life, and that's what happens. But certainly, you know, you beat Tennessee in the opener, which is winnable. You know, Tennessee's a team. Uh, the same podcaster that forgot to mention South Carolina goes on to mention how Tennessee for Bama, Tennessee is a trap game. Um, I think some of these guys look and see the Vols recruiting class and they see the momentum that program has. And, you know, they have the mistaken belief that, you know, subconsciously that uh, some of these players are going to really be suiting up for the Vols this year. No, no, that, that's a very good to great recruiting class they have. Those guys can't play this year. You know, they're still dependent on previous classes. Um, you know, you go in, you win that game, and then you go to the swamp and, and get a little payback. South Carolina starts 2-0. and That's how you get back to relevance and you can get back quickly. The path is there. Now, are they going to do it? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know that if I would call it likely, unlikely, whatever. We're just starting practice now. You, know, you have to kind of look and see who's playing for all the teams, what the matchups are. I'll tell you, just like off the top of my head, you know, the matchup with Tennessee, I like South Carolina's O-line versus their D-line. Uh, I like Tennessee's O-line versus the Gamecocks' D-line, but uh, I do think the Gamecocks have the guys up front to compete. Um, I like Tennessee's secondary versus the Gamecocks' receivers simply because I don't know who's going to be playing at that spot. Yeah, I think Carolina will have a chance to run the ball against them if its offensive line can establish the run. Um, and I think it'll be a heck of a game. I'm leaning towards low scoring because I think both defenses are going to be really, you know, the better unit between defense and offense. And I, I don't know what to think about Garantano. Half the time he's a cool customer. 
that can do like Josh Dobbs a little bit back there, and then half the time he's a train wreck. But they do have other guys. I mean, they will play other players, other quarterbacks if things are bad. But we'll see what happens. And then with Florida, you know, Kyle Trask is back. He's probably a top two or three quarterback in the SEC returning. They have lots of skill talent. They have uh, good good defensive scheme that Mike Povo is very familiar with. Um, but, but again, it's not like the Urban Meyer Florida teams where you look and you're like, well, this, this guy's got a bunch of NFL players and Tim Tebow. And, you know, they had Percy Harvin for a while and you got Dimps and Rainey running all over the place and a big offensive line and their defense is salty. You know, that's not the type of Florida team you see. You, you see a well-coached bunch that finds a way to win. They do – they always have speed in the secondary and on the perimeter. Um, and then once again, right now, you're hearing about guys possibly opting out, and the four players they're talking about opting out are really good. So, you know, what's going to happen there? Uh, but we've heard offseason we, – we've written the Florida Gators obituary with offseason off-the-field stuff before, and it's never ended up that way. So we'll see. Point of all this is South Carolina can find a way to win its first two games. You know, you knock off two of the media darlings from your division back to back. It's going to, you know, you're going to be relevant. Then you're going to go to Vandy and hopefully you're not Derek Mason's one upset victim. And if you go three and O with Auburn coming back in, starting the four game stretch with the West, you know, you feel pretty good about maybe splitting those games, you know, maybe not. Even if you lose three of four, um, you're still four and three going into Missouri, Georgia, Kentucky to end the season. So, I mean, I, I think a quick way back to relevance is for the Gamecocks to start 2-0. People may think I'm crazy. Like I said, I wouldn't put strong odds on it happening, but it could happen. It could happen. And, and, and I think that, you know, Right now, it's probably good that there's not a lot of talk about this team. Uh, I think in general, this program, you know, the difference between team and program, this program has to find a way back to relevance um, for recruiting purposes and all that. And, and the, the easiest way to do that is to win. Um, I, th- I think, you know, you got to go win. I mean, Gamecocks certainly are relevant to all of us, uh, all the folks in South Carolina. I think they're relevant to Clemson people. Uh, I think Georgia people pay attention to the Gamecocks a little bit, but, you know, this is not a program that many people are discussing right now. Um, Kentucky seems to be the the favored pick for the sleeper team in the East, you know, new coach at Missouri. Um, Vandy, uh, I think the consensus is Vandy's going to be Vandy. But nobody's really talking about South Carolina. It's almost like an enigma, and people are scared to discuss it. But we'll see what happens there. Um and, and speaking of relevance, I think one of the ways to get to relevance is to recruit elite players at key positions, especially quarterback. And Gamecocks have some potentially good news coming down the pipe. And Gunnar Stockton, uh, I think he's a top 30 overall player in the country, one of the top dual threat quarterbacks in the country for Rabin County, Georgia, which is up there kind of in the northeast Georgia mountains. J. Bo Shaw, son of Lee Shaw, brother of Connor Shaw, uh, is his head coach, um, and he has a long, long history with Mike Bobo and Mike Bobo's dad uh, through the years where you know his dad's been his private quarterback coach since he was six. There is a deep relationship there. Georgia is his other school. 
Georgia's depth chart at quarterback probably isn't as attractive as the depth chart at quarterback at South Carolina. Though South Carolina's in good shape. Don't get me wrong. You know, you got Holinsky. You got Hill, Holinsky, Doty. Jay Orich has done some nice things this offseason. Uh, you got Colton Gauthier coming in, who's a guy with a big arm and good upside. Um, and then if you get this kid. But, but Georgia – when you look at the fact they got JT Daniels to transfer in, JT could have been the number one player in the country had he not come out early. Um, you know, Newman's there this year. Uh, you know, they got Vandergriff, who's a big, tall, gunslinging – kind of reminds me of Blaine Gabbert, who used to play at Missouri a little bit. Um, and then you got uh, – you know, they, they got another 2022 guy that they're looking at at Georgia as well. You know, so Gunnar Stockton could be a guy that, that, you know, that kind of recruit, you know, top quarterback guy, especially out of state, that makes a statement, even though Rabin County does border the state of South Carolina. I think it borders Oconee, um, which, you know, for Gamecock fans, obviously, <laughs> that's that's not uh, not non-hostile territory. <laughs> but, it, you know, you're up there and, uh, you know, that would be a huge get, you know, according to – contacts and sources you know the decision could come soon i don't know exactly when the 24 7 sports crystal ball you know several predictions including one from me and tony morell and steve wilfong the oracle it all came in today uh for gunner stott and so that and that's class of 2022 keep in mind that's not this coming class that's down the road but quarterbacks tend to commit early and then help recruit other players and I think that sends a good message for that 2022 class. And if you can back that up with a good season this year, um, you know, 2021 does have a lot of eval guys, not a lot of no-brainer types, but a lot of guys I really like. Uh, I think it could be kind of a glue class because, you know, the 2020 class has your Jordan Birches and Boogie Huntleys and, and, and Marshawn Lloyds of the world. You know, then you're probably on to something. Uh, I really do think that. And so that's big news. And, you know, that's a way to increase your relevance, you know, is to sign great players who who will directly impact wins and losses. And this is way down the road. I mean, 2022 sounds like a long time from now. But, you know, moves like this, moves like getting Marshawn Lloyd, uh, even getting Ryan Holinsky, you know, last year, um, getting Zach Pickens, getting Jordan Birch. You know, the, the more guys like that you have over a period of time, the better uh, to kind of anchor your talent. And then, you know, you coach guys up. You know, you, you turn J.C. Horn and Izzy McQuamu into first-round picks. You know, you take a Jamie Robinson who was college-ready to go play and you continue to fine-tune him. Uh, he's a rising star. You know, you beat Georgia on a J.J. and Igbare and, and you, you coach him up. Um, you know, you go and outfox some people for Makia Scott or Makia Scott out of Gainesville that's a freshman D tackle. You know, offensively, you, you make sure Xavier Leggett doesn't escape and go to Tennessee. Um, you know, you go evaluate Jakari Caldwell late and take him. You know, you pick up Rico Powers when, you know, some off-the-field stuff derailed his chances at getting the Georgia offer. And then you put those guys together with the no-brainers. And, you know, that's how you build a roster at South Carolina to get back into contention. So – you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, there there's other things that, that impact the, the team probably more directly as far as this season goes. And uh, I want to address this because we have, you know, we have um, 
some uh, news on the bigspur.com. Trey McBride, who is a tight end from Colorado State. Now, hear me out, right? <laughs> Played for Mike Bobo last year. Uh, 45 catches, 560 yards, four touchdowns, had a 100-yard season against Boise. Um, had a 69-yard touchdown reception at Fresno State. Started five games as a true freshman. Um, this guy's from Colorado, Fort Morgan, Colorado, was a three-star kid. Now, you can, you can find guys like this in the state of Colorado. Uh, the Rams beat Cal. They beat the Colorado Buffaloes. And they beat Kansas State on this kid. So he was just a guy that, you know, wanted to go to Fort Collins and, and play ball. Well, he's in the transfer portal, first team, first team all Mountain West last year. And uh, the Gamecocks are trying to work it out to get him. Now, you know, initially people that probably didn't watch the film or look at him are like, oh, God, you're just going to take another Colorado State transfer. They were four and eight last year, whatever. Well, Look at how many guys get drafted off bad teams. I mean, you really have to just consider, you know, who you're taking. Um, and I'll go through this real quick. Uh, we'll look back. Colin Hill. Well, Colin Hill uh, has been injured. He really hadn't gotten a shot, you know, to go through a whole season because of his knees. Uh, he's a South Carolina kid. He's from Dorman, Spartanburg County. Uh, wanted to come home, grad transfer. To me, that's a no-brainer. I'll tell you this, the NFL guys have called about Mukwamu, they've called about Horn, and they've called about Hill. And that's per sources. So, you know, that's uh, that's high praise. Uh, the pro guys like him, and I know the Gamecocks like him. So, you know, and you're also dealing with if, you know, let's just say that they did think Helensky was going to be the starter, and he still could be. They're going to battle it out. You know, what if he got hurt? Then you're right back in the boat you were last year with a true freshman at quarterback and Luke Doty. You know, so I think that was a no-brainer to take him. Adam Prentice comes in as the fullback. Uh, there was not a fullback on the roster, especially no, not a fullback like Adam Prentice. Uh, no-brainer. And, and, it, and he walked on initially and then got moved to scholarship. So I, that's, that's a no-brainer. And when you look at the tight end situation, I think this is a no-brainer. And, and they do have a lot of tight ends on scholarship right now. But, folks, right now you got Nick Muse coming off an ACL as your starter. Will Register is number two. You know, Kevion Mullins is more of a split-out guy, as is Keyshawn Tony. Trey Kenya is not even close to being ready. Eric Shaw is probably not ready to play tight end this year. He's probably going to be able to be more of a buck, a defensive player. And he's super skinny and, and needs a year in a weight room. Uh, and then Jaheim Bell is hurt until November. So when you talk about immediate impact and, and the way they use the tight ends, you know, you could use a tight end. Now, you really could use a tight end this good. This cat, you, watch him. Go watch it. He's got a highlight tape up on YouTube from Colorado State. He can run routes. He's 6'4". He's 260. He's super physical. He's got hands. He can run. He always plays with a full head of steam. I mean, you watch the tape, and he's burying guys 10 yards down the field, physical blocker, um, you know, the type of guy that ends up playing tight end at a high level in the NFL. And, you know, not all, not all those guys came off of winning mountain, you know, winning teams, whether they're in the Mountain West or SEC or not. Um, so I'm saying give this guy a shot. 
Gamecocks are trying to work it out to get him. There's no guarantees they will, and then he's got to be eligible. But I'm telling you, it, you know, give this guy a shot. I mean, this cat, if he ends up at Carolina and is ready to go and play this year, um, look out. I mean, this guy, he, he's a ball player, absolute ball player. I mean, I like – I like Hill, and I like the idea of bringing him in. I like Prentice at fullback because he's another one of those tough, hard-nosed guys. But of all three of them, based on, you know, what I have seen out of them so far on film, in my professional and personal opinion, McBride would rank ahead of all of them. Like, if I were ranking one, two, three, McBride would be number one. Uh, So, absolutely, knowing the situation to tie it in like I do, then, you know, you get this cat and you got him and Muse, um, double tights or whatever, you know, the, the, and, and this guy also, you know, knows the offense. You don't have to train him up, um, you know, and him and music. Then you can use Kevion Mullins in different situations and scenarios and packages when you split him or whatever. And by the way, if you go watch the Trey McBride film, watch some of the deep routes and things like that. They run with him and then picture Kevion Mullins doing it. And I, I pictured it and thought it was kind of awesome. Um, but, you know, Kevion's still a redshirt freshman, so you can bring him along slower. Um, you know, you can you can actually move Shaw if you want. You know, Jaheim Bell, to me, is going to probably redshirt this year just because of injury. But once once he gets back, he, he's kind of a different guy than any of these guys. Maybe you play him at a receiver H-back type of role. Um, and then you bring in the guys like Michael Trigg that you got behind him. And, and you know, I don't know what will happen ultimately with Trey Kenyon and Will Register and those guys, but, it you know, it could be that, you know, some of these guys just haven't worked out. You know, I don't want to throw dirt on Trey Kenyon right now because he's a redshirt freshman. Um, so it could be that you're, you're just kind of bringing guys in and moving guys out. Like like I said, like Shaw and Bell could go to a different position and um, easily. Um, and this guy, Trey McBride, though, I mean, I, I think, you know, say what you want about Colorado State and the Gamecocks having three guys that could start from Colorado State. But most schools out there, most programs out there, if you kind of scanned every depth chart, probably have one to three guys that can start anywhere in the country. Not all of them. I mean, maybe not anywhere. Maybe not Alabama or someplace like that. Maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, do you think Javon Kinlaw was started at Bama last year? I do. I mean, so we will see ultimately what happens with that. But I, I would encourage everybody who's on the anti-Colorado State bandwagon, and I get it. Um, I get that there is a, a very shallow narrative that, oh, well, they got three guys from Colorado State, and they're counting on a kid from Wingate and Jalen Brooks to all transfer in and save the offense. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I don't know that that's not a factual statement. I'm just saying that's probably not a bad thing, you know, because you're – you're getting some guys, you know, and, and and I think that this staff, unlike the previous staff, which turned down a lot of transfers that could have helped, um, this staff's willing to go and, and piece it together however they need to. I mean, win by any means necessary, I mean, within the rules is, is from what I say. So Trey McBride, Colorado State tight end, get excited about that guy. Get excited about Gunnar Stockton. It's players like this that will lead the Gamecocks back to the relevancy I talked about. Um, and I think that's important moving forward. And, and it just kind of hit me that uh, not to try to depress any of you guys, but it's like, man, nobody's talking about South Carolina at all. I mean, they got some good off season pub 
after 2017, they won nine games the next year. Everybody's tracking that early Georgia game. Um, and their wheels just kind of fell off after that game in, in terms of the perception. I think they could have gotten it back had they held on against Florida in the swamp in 2018. Uh, and then last year, I think they could have gotten it back if they'd have followed up that win uh, in Athens where they went over the Gators. And, you know, that's a game they probably would like to have back as well. So there's the, they've been at the door to getting back, but it just hadn't, hadn't worked out for whatever reason. Coming off four and eight um, during a pandemic with your coach kind of on the hot seat and all that, it's just I get why – you know, there's not this magnetic attraction to talking about the Gamecocks by certain members of the national sports media and all that, uh, which makes this next thing even more interesting. We've, you know, and I want to thank you guys for this. We had record traffic on the bigspur.com yesterday. Um, people reading articles, posting, talking, lots of subjects, uh, record listens to this podcast so far this week. I want to thank each and every one of you for it. Uh, please go to the Apple Podcast Store, iTunes Store, whatever, wherever you get podcasts if you're on iPhone, um, and rate rate me five stars. Hopefully it's a five-star rating. Uh, write a review. Um, I read all the reviews, and, and I do respond to some questions and stuff here. Uh, we're going to have a mailbag segment coming up. Uh, or I've got to get the email address set up where you can – Email your questions in, and I'll answer them right here on Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Also going to probably start uh, a question of the day, little video segment on YouTube, on the Big Spur YouTube channel, where, you know, one major Gamecock question a day, I sit there and put my smiling mug on mini video and answer it for you. You know, so we got lots of exciting things. And, and, and you know, for a program that nationally is struggling with relevance, you know, locally and within the Gamecock nation, interest is – Still extremely strong, and that's a testament to all of you folks out there. All right. If uh, you're probably not going to get this podcast till after the segment today, JB and Goldwater, uh, it's the best, one of the best shows in South Carolina right now as far as a daily sports talk show. Um, you can get them streaming live on Twitter and YouTube. Um, they start around noon every day Eastern, go for two hours. Uh, my segment's coming up here in about 40 minutes. So you may not hear this before I'm already on, but the good news is this, they have every show in podcast form. So when you go to the iTunes store and you rate me five stars, uh, go roll over and hit that subscribe button for JB and Goldwater. Also the JC and Morgan college football podcast with me and Mike Morgan. Uh, be sure to check all that out. Late kick extra with Josh Pate. Uh, and we're kind of getting into the season. I know if you're like me, you know, you're starting to – because I listen to a lot of political podcasts uh, and just podcasts about things other than sports. But I know if you're like me and you can kind of feel the season coming, you can almost smell it. Uh, you know, you're wanting to consume just about anything about college football you possibly can. You know, go check those out. Highly, highly recommended. Um, and then next, next segment, next episode of this that we have, uh, I'll give a rundown of the Gamecock podcast specifically – uh, that I recommend. But right now for, for national college football uh, and for just general South Carolina sports talk, JB and Goldwater, uh, late kick extra with Josh Pate. Josh Pate's great. He's been on this show before. And then, of course, JC and Morgan with myself and Mike. Uh, we go through an SEC schedule breakdown uh, and talk about a, a lot of other stuff in our most recent episode. All right. 
That is the hump day edition of Inside the Gamecocks podcast. We talked about a lot today. Enjoyed speaking with you. Be back tomorrow to rock and roll through the rest of the week. Good to have football back. Multiple other topics uh, to get to. I'll have the mailbag email set up by tomorrow's episode to tell you how you can be interactive with me here on ITG. All right, this is J.C. Sherbert. Hope everybody has a wonderful day, and we'll holla at you soon.